you're hearing my voice, you know what time it is. <laughs> Emergency podcast. Holy cow. Um, you know why we're doing this. If you read the title and if you have been on social media at all today or in the last 24 hours, we're recording this uh, essentially at noon on Thursday. Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher at odds in a way that um, they've never been. I don't know that we've ever seen two coaches this publicly at odds with one another mm -hmm. and not, not towing the line or anything like that. Uh, if you missed what happened, I'm gonna, we're going to go through all of this. We're going to try and decipher basically why each side feels the way that it does, who maybe has a little bit more of a claim than another. But maybe before you even listen to us, and I don't often advocate for this, but Will, you could agree with this too, right? The Jimbo Fisher press conference. Watch that whole thing. Watch it once. Watch it twice. And also, to be clear, watch what Nick Saban said on Wednesday night, speaking at this uh, speaking at this event in Birmingham, wherein Nate Oates was to was to Saban's right, and our friend Jim Dunaway yep. was at Saban's left. And don't just look at the quote that came out about Saban saying that A&M bought players. Look at the entire seven-minute response to his issues with NIL. And I wrote about this for, for SaturdayDownSouth.com about how it was actually more of like Saban taking a shot at Jimbo, at Deion Sanders for the way that it played out with Travis Hunter at Jackson State. That was more in relation to Saban's macro issue. Right. His macro issue is with enforcement or lack thereof with the NCAA. But it'd be really boring to just come on here and say, well, Nick Saban is... <laughs> We're not going to start off by giving you homework. Let's start there. Then you will get yeah. all the messiness right here. <laughs> but seriously, because if, if, if there is ever a time to watch a press conference... Oh, yes. This is it. I always say when we watch movies that have press conferences or media availability that I'm like, oh gosh, it's never actually like this. This is, this is so over, like, overacted. Like, it, it's just never really like this. Jimbo Fisher, in response to Nick Saban calling him out for uh, buying players in his recruiting class, his historic 2022 recruiting class, and the response that Jimbo Fisher had was second to none. Mm -hmm. Again, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything quite like this. So, Will, if this is all right with you, and again, I, I'm assuming most people who have listened to this have watched the Jimbo Presser. Again, you should. It'll only take like 12 minutes of your time, whatever it was. It was not some 45-minute deal. He starts off deal. on 10, by the way. There, you hear like a, is the audio good? All right, I got some stuff to say. Like second one, it becomes a classic. <laughs> well, in the first four minutes, he says Nick Saban is despicable. He says the words, we've never bought anyone. He calls Saban a narcissist. A narcissist, yep. He calls out Saban's comments on Feinbaum last Friday, wherein Saban says he wants to get back to parody in college football. Which you actually, if you actually read more of like the context of that quote, Saban Saban then goes on to say like, oh yeah, it's with like healthcare and everybody's had the same sort of benefits, whatever. But it's still met with a collective eye roll because obviously nobody wants to hear that comment from Nick Saban. That's beside the point. Jimbo's out of breath saying all of this. Keep this in mind. He looks like he's just got done with, I don't know, maybe 90 minutes on the elliptical. 
But for Jimbo, maybe that's what it was like arguing with all of these people, wherein he had to basically be silent for 12 hours after this all saw, saw the light of day and before he can get in front of a microphone himself to address his former boss, accusing him uh, more or less of beating the system and cheating and, and, and all this stuff. Okay, he also said that Saban thinks he's God and that you can go <laughs> dig into his deal. We build him up to be this czar of college football. Hold on, hold on. That direct quote, it's not direct because he stutters a lot, but he was like, some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his deal, and you may find a lot of things you don't want to know. That is a bar. I don't care who you are. You think he's God? Go dig into how God did his deal. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, an unbelievable um, amount of just like just going right after Saban, not not just denying what Saban <clears throat> said, but then not just playing defense, but then getting back on the offensive is what Jimbo Fisher set out to do in this very brief press conference, which had so many things packed. Could we say it. this is the most creative offense we've ever seen out of Jimbo? Oh God, Will <laughs> front pocket. Front pocket right there. He saved all Just the tricks. Saying. All the tricks that get saved in season and out of season, buddy. My God. Okay. He also said, Jimbo said, about Saban, he's showing you who he is. Um, Jimbo said that he turned down a call from Saban. He's like, yeah, Saban called. Mm-hmm. I didn't answer it. Uh, and then went on to say, he's the greatest ever, huh? Um, when you've got all the advantages, it's easy. <laughs> Come on, bro. Jimbo said all this in the first four minutes of this press conference, which wasn't even, it didn't even really feel like a press conference. It felt like Jimbo said to his SID, give me a microphone because I can't let this sit. I don't care what time of year it is. I don't care that it's the middle of May and most people, Saban included, usually around this time of year are playing in golf tournaments. Mm -hmm. They're on a boat. They're on Gasparilla <laughs> Island with Dabo Sweeney because people don't know that Saban does that, but he does. This is about as direct as you will see two coaches talk about one another. It just is. And the irony of Jimbo attacking Saban, of course, is laced with this underlying, um, this underlying notion that Jimbo has seen what's under the hood, okay? Mm -hmm. He has been in those spots recruiting for Nick Saban, and he spent a decent amount of this press conference saying, I, like, there's a reason why I haven't gone back to work with him. I've gotten opportunities. There's a reason people don't go back to work with him. Other people have gotten opportunities. And Jimbo is essentially saying that Saban has been cheating for years. I mean, that's yep. what this comes down to, right? Yep. That's how you interpret it, correct? Oh, yes. 100%. And, and like you said, they've been going back and forth, maybe not for years, but the earliest direct correlation I can see is back, you know, when he had the whole trophy thing and was, like, taking shots at Saban, like, back last offseason. The timing of this is perhaps why we've reached this point. And look, just, just to be perfectly clear, A&M fans are going to defend Jimbo. Alabama fans are going to defend Saban. The rest of That's us are going to laugh at both of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I'm, not even, I'm not even in one of these spots where I'm wholeheartedly defending every single thing that the other person said or did. Saban doesn't care about how bad the timing looks because the timing looks bad. Mm -hmm. let's, let's consider this. Let's, let's kind of peel this back for a second. You are the coach who dominated the recruiting landscape. You're the number one class in the country for eight of the 10 years during the 2010s decade. You, in this first full NIL cycle, 
and as you said, as Saban said on Wednesday, he said, we were number two, A&M was number one. Let's not forget how important that was. Right. It wasn't just that Bama was like sixth or something like that, and he's calling out a handful. He's saying, no, we were two, A&M was one. That comes on the heels of Saban losing to one of his disciples for the first time ever. Happened twice this past year because he loses to Jimbo, obviously, and then he loses to Kirby in the Natty. Right. So that happens. And then to lose to Jimbo on the recruiting trail, there is obviously anything that Saban says negatively about Jimbo is going to come off petty. Mm -hmm. I don't think Saban cares. I also don't think Saban cares if he can, if he can prove all of these things to be true. It's, it's almost irrelevant if he can go, like, Saban doesn't have the knowledge to know that every single one of those recruits that Jimbo signed in the 2022 class had the exact same NIL deal in place or anything like that. Like, that's not of Saban's concern. I don't know if Saban has the inner workings to Travis Hunter's deal at Jackson State, whatever that was. We know that Deion Sanders denied it. We know that Deion Sanders and Nick Saban have done Aflac commercials together. Oh, they sure and, have. Man, <laughs> yeah. I would love to know how those are going to go in the future, if those are going to go in the <laughs> it's future. It's going to be one of those two shots with like the bars in the middle. I'm Deion Sanders, and I'm Nick Saban, and they're in like two different parts of the country. <laughs> yes, yes. Th this is not necessarily about... Saban wasn't making these comments to necessarily be right, mm -hmm. to be factually correct at every single turn. And that's the, the wild thing about this, is that so many people are going to look at this and say, and Jimbo, essentially, the way that he interpreted it, and I don't blame him necessarily for interpreting it this way, is you finally didn't beat me on the field, you lost to me on the recruiting trail, and now you're upset that you didn't get your way. Here's the fundamental difference between the way that Jimbo sees recruiting right now and the way that Saban sees recruiting right now. Saban feels like if a 17-year-old kid comes into his office, Saban can make his recruiting pitch. He can talk about the billion dollars of NFL earnings that his players have made since 2010, which is a point that he brought up in that speaking appearance in Birmingham. He made sure to make note of that. Mm -hmm. He can talk about the collective that they have in place and how you know players, there were 25 players in Alabama's roster who made a total of $3 million. He can talk about all these different things that he has done to be able to develop NFL talent, all the championships that he has won. He can explain all these things until he's blue in the face and for pretty much throughout his entire career that apparently has worked and the results bear it out all right but if that 17 year old kid says to the greatest coach of all time and i'm giving me more money sorry but i'm going to go to AM. that's the way that saban is interpreting this and AM fans right. do not mistake me saying that that is exactly the way that all these meetings are playing out that scenario in the eyes of Saban, is incredibly frustrating because as much as people think Alabama's got these deep pockets, if they're not willing to match what AM is being able to do from a money standpoint, that's a trump card that Saban can't quite compete with. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the perspective from him. Jimbo is obviously offended by this because Saban is saying that Jimbo did not earn these recruits. He bought them. That's the key word in all this. Mm -hmm. Bought. Bought, bought, bought. It is a verb that in this day and age, we're still trying to figure out how to handle that. And maybe there's gonna be a better way for addressing a player going to a certain school because of NIL. And look, Jimbo Fisher 
saying at signing day that none of his players went to A&M, went to A&M because of NIL is, come on. Like, right. I mean, yeah, like, just to quickly interject, like, you remember the Jacoby Matthews situation where it was, like, Moscona yes. literally holding up this contract and being, like... Yeah, Moscona I, had the contract. Yeah, he yeah. literally was, like, yo, dude, like, Jacoby wants to come to LSU. A&M is straight up offering him more money. And Alabama has more resources than LSU. I'm not even comparing those two, but I just know my situation, like... To say it's not happening even once, I think is kind of insane. Because like you right. said, like we've literally seen it physically happen here. Saban is saying that we're not making any guarantees to, to players ahead of time. And that's not part of our recruiting process. Whereas AM is handing them these contracts and saying, if you are here, you will be here for X amount of years or whatever. This is what your contract will look like. Saban has said, look, we're pro NIL. Right. Alabama's got a collective. He said, Saban said in this in this answer, this seven-minute answer, it's like we, we, I made, I told the guys like we're gonna have a collective and mm-hmm. we're gonna split out that money evenly because I don't want this to be the, this player getting this and this. If you want to go out on the own market and get your own money, that's perfectly fine. And that's the Bryce Young point to say, oh well, Bryce Young went out on his own and he got this million dollars before he ever started a game in Alabama, and it wasn't strictly the result of this collective. So Saban is at this point where he feels like. Well, what's the point of doing that if nothing is going to be enforced? And if the NCAA claims, oh, pay for play is illegal, but doesn't actually enforce it, then what's the point? Jimbo and Saban want the same thing. Yes. And that's the craziest thing. They want federal legislation. They both want the federal government to be able to step in some way, shape, or form and say, here's what you can do. Here's what you can't do. They don't have that. Players being considered employees has been considered a holdup. We know that Greg Sankey, George Klyakov, the Pac-12 commissioner, they went to Washington to be able to pitch these <laughs> Senates about uh, NIL, which is just a comical uh, thing to process. It was the Washington, sure, man. Get a yeah. light, all right. <laughs> kind of have a lot of things going on here, sorry. Yeah. Right, but that's that's what it's going to take because they, they walked around the NCAA because you can't rely on the NCAA to do anything. Anything. You Literally, can't. the things that you could rely on them to, to do, which was only, you know, ruin your program. They don't even do that anymore. Well, unless you're LSU. But, like, the program that you thought that they were trying to stop people from cheating for the longest time, and that was what they hung their hat on, they just don't even care about that anymore. So, yeah. Yes. And so, from, from Saban's perspective, he is saying, well, we need then some new way to be able to enforce. Mm-hmm. And if enforcing this is breaking away from the NCAA, which the NCAA's entire purpose with college football, because it doesn't run the postseason, is enforcement. Right. And if the NCAA isn't even going to do that, then we need to come up with a new way to enforce it. And I'm not one of these people that thinks that we need to cap NIL earnings and all that. And Jimbo kind of talked about that as well. He's like, that, that, that creates a mess with antitrust laws and all those different things. But what we need to be able to see in the eyes of both of these coaches who are at odds at each other in a very almost biblical fashion mm-hmm. is regulation of what is what is fair, what is not fair. Because some will say, why doesn't Saban just adapt and do exactly what Jimbo is? And Saban, Saban is claiming that he's not doing that. Like, think what you want about that. Man. Think what you want. I will. Okay, right? <laughs> Many Thank will. you for that Many welcome because I was doing it anyway. <laughs> yes, freedom to think how you want. If you want to just say that this is stupid because Saban has been setting his players up with Dodge Chargers throughout the entire 2010s, and essentially that's kind of what Jimbo's calling him out for, then right. you're, you have every right to be able to do that. 
But what they're trying to figure out and what Saban doesn't want to do is have this philosophy that he believes Jimbo Fisher has. Why does he not want that? He doesn't want it because it blows, he feels like it's going to blow up his ability to build a roster. He doesn't want to build a roster in that way with all these guys who are guaranteed X, Y, and Z. And then at Alabama, as we know, you can be a five-star and you can still be sitting there third string on the depth chart going into your pre-draft season. Mm -hmm. And the, the mess that that creates in Saban's eyes, again, I'm just repeating the way that he is viewing this, this entire issue, creates way more problems than a system, according to Saban, that is built on earnings once you are actually on campus. Ajay Hall was out here getting crystal deals after he had a really disappointing year one. He was doing sure that was, yeah. Okay, so it's not like the barrier to entry is some immense <clears throat> thing. Saban's saying that he only had 25 players earn NIL opportunities. I, I get that Will Anderson didn't want to take on any NIL opportunities because he wanted to be able to focus on, on, on the task at hand, all those different things. God, but I like I, 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 it doesn't matter if that's true or not. It doesn't matter, right? Right? Like, they're fighting for their own agendas right now. Right. Jimbo, Jimbo's agenda is to do good on that fake championship plaque that he was presented <laughs> with before he ever coached a game at 8 a.m. Okay? He is working in his eyes without breaking any sort of rule in the state of Texas. Any sort of, um, any, any sort of violation in terms of recruiting pay, payment uh, ahead of what, whatever sort of guidelines are in place currently. And at the same time, if nobody's telling him that he's breaking a rule, then I guess you're not. But this is just fascinating to see play out because whatever this rivalry was is now at, at such a different level. Mm -hmm. And we don't see people stand up to save in this way. You just don't. Yep. I, so I'm sorry, just a little peel behind the onion here. Connor, we usually have this giant Google Doc and I can kind of pick in my spots for when I want to talk. Connor <laughs> has gone old school and written everything down on his Iowa notebook. So like, I <laughs> to be clear, that was sent to me. That was sent to oh, me. I don't want anybody. No, I don't no, want I know, I know, no. And I have the same way. notebook. We were we were joking about this. Like we get SDS, and like we always used to get a bunch of stuff. But like it's it's just kind of funny because I'm just like trying to figure. Can I like say something really quick? Of course, well, fire away. Okay, so um, the thing that's interesting about this, and I won't like make this my whole thing, but these are two guys, right, that are so fundamentally similar. Right, we have guys that are more or less like. Well, well, let me let me push back on one thing right there. Jimbo Fisher said he's more like Bobby Bowden than Nick Saban. Okay, so. yeah, Bobby Bowden, Free Shoes <laughs> University, Bobby Bowden. All right, uh, that was another part of that thing that was really funny to me. I was that was great. No, right, it's like I stand for people with morals. Like Bobby Bowden is like you know what FSU just is as a society, right? Like not even to like dump on anybody, but we all grew up. Kind of knowing that about like my sister went to FSU. I have lots of family that went to FSU and she has told me stories about FSU and the things that went on there that she personally witnessed. And it wasn't, you know, Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm just gonna say that. But, but anyway, these are two guys that are fundamentally very similar. They're around the same age, right? They're both from West Virginia. They're both college football coaches. Jimbo is part of the Nick Saban coaching tree, like you talked about. And it really goes to show, man, how competitive these guys are. And, yes. and to me, a lot of this might potentially, this is just a theory, go back to, you know, the preseason game where it was a, a top two or three matchup, FSU versus Alabama. Uh, Jimbo gets blown out, his quarterback gets hurt, and that was the be beginning of the end for him at FSU. There was nothing bad about that, but I think that that was kind of 
a check-in point for both of these guys. Where it was like, hey, Jimbo, you know, you just won a national championship. You got this highly ranked team. Now you got to play Daddy Saban and see where you stack up. And at that moment, he just didn't. And I think that leads to, you look like you disagree. Is that correct? To, to be clear, the way that that was set up, as our good friend Gary Stokin has explained, yeah. is that back when Jimbo was in, I think it was year one at Florida State, I could be wrong, it was year one or year two as the head coach at Florida State, he called up Jimbo mm -hmm. and said, hey, would love to be able to set up a matchup with you and Saban, great storylines, former you know, disciple against the master, all those different things, and that Jimbo had refused that matchup. Jimbo mm -hmm. did not accept that matchup until Gary called back after Florida State won the title in 2013, the last championship of the BCS era, and then, only then, Jimbo said, yes, I'm ready for this, our team is ready for this, our program is ready for this, let's make it happen, and then they set up the 2017 matchup. 100%, thank you for bringing that back up, because I thought I remembered that, but that even sounds a little bit too like zany, that's accurate, that's the facts though. And so it's like, he was like, I'm here, I'm ready, I'm ready to take you on, got the doors beaten off of him, and like I said, it was the beginning of the end, and I think that that led to him ending up at A&M and choosing the wealth and the resources of A&M, who have had, had, you know, said, we're gonna build you a weight room, we're gonna have this collective, yep. we're gonna do all these different things, and now he feels like he's finally within striking distance, even though, you know, we talk about the record, as I often do, you know, they beat them in recruiting, which is where Saban hangs his hat, they beat them in a regular season game, you know what I'm saying, which is something that Saban has prided himself of cleaning up in the SEC, pushing down his old disciples and keeping that gap. This is, I mean, with him and with Kirby, this is the closest two disciples I've ever been to Saban. Obviously, Kirby is a lot closer because you talk about the season they just had. I'm not comparing those, but I can see why Saban gets a little bit bristly. So that's the point I'm going to make here is that, you know, we've seen Jimbo be down and out. We've seen, you know, the whole thing with, you know, the Christmas tree and packing up, getting out of town, redoing his life, going to A&M. We have never really seen that from Saban. You have to go with that back all the way to, like, Miami you know, with the Dolphins. And it's interesting to see, you know, whenever things start to go kind of poorly for Saban, he has a game plan he runs. You know, we talk about the no huddle offense. We talk about every change. We've talked about adapt or die, right? Step one is always bristly. And he sees, okay, now hold on. I don't really, I'm not crazy about this change, but let me, let me like see if I can kind of get you guys to think about this and change it. And when it doesn't change, like it did with the NIL, now he's saying, all right, look, y'all want me to get on NIL deals? Boom, Bryce Young, million dollar NIL deal. I'll tell you about it. So that's the thing. It, it, it's interesting to see, you know, um, the vibe we have from Jimbo, we've never really had to see that side of Saban because he is so good. I will say it's kind of funny that Jimbo framed this as Alabama in Tuscaloosa has all these resources and everything is set up for them. And I'll just pause there and let you get back to your point. Well, I think what he's, what he's saying is look, look at let Saban's past and tell me that he was able to recruit at that high of a level in this sport without having any sort of additional help. Right. That, that's, that's the point that, that Fisher is making on I like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and dig into every single every single case and say this is what happened here, this yeah. is what happened there because I I don't know that and Jimbo doesn't even know all of that. Right. To be 100 honest with you, but why this has reached this place, this is personal. Oh yeah, they they can deny that all they want. This is absolutely personal. This is Jimbo Fisher being in a place where he feels like he has real momentum. Mm -hmm. He has, in his mind, overcome a huge hurdle. And I know people right now, they're, they're getting a lot of life off the Barrett's Elite tweet comparing his record 
through his first four years compared to Kevin Sumlin's. It's the exact same thing. Will, you're probably going to retweet that later. Never seen such a Don't tweet. Don't deny it. Uh, plead the yeah. yeah. But where Jimbo is feeling like, okay, I've just done what I, what I was told was impossible when I came to this league, when I came to this division, and I signed up for that. Mm-hmm. And I was told I'm never going to beat Saban. So he beat him on the field. And then he beat him on the recruiting trail. But there's the asterisk that he feels like people are, people are addressing. Now, Saban's saying the, the bought part. Let's, let's kind of get back to that for, for just for a quick second here. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're Jimbo, you take this, this comment as Saban saying you are like uh, somebody in an auction. And you only signed players because you were the highest bidder. Mm-hmm. You had your card. You raised it up. You said, "I'm going once, going twice." Sold to you, and that is how you—that is how you assembled this entire class. And it wasn't based on merit. It wasn't based on your facilities. All these different things that Jimbo likes to talk about. Saban is basically saying, "You got this because you held your card up." Because you had people in your pocket who were willing to make that happen on the back end before these people even got to college. Yep. Okay. So that's that's the difference in why this this gripe and why there, there is this frustration over the word bought. Mm-hmm. I truly think that if Saban had picked another word, just another verb, and I don't know if that verb exists, it doesn't pack nearly as much punch. But when you say bought, mm-hmm. it's different. If you had said Jimbo sold his class on NIL possibilities and all that. Jimbo might not feel great about that, but it takes some of the sting off of it. Yep. It does. Bot has a different kind of connotation because it always has in college football. Bot has been associated with illegal activity. Yes. Bot has been associated with the bag man. The bag yep. man is what teams are doing to try and get ahead, to try and cut corners. Saban I think we talked about Jeremy Pruitt, whereas we'll throw that guy out to the curb and say he's a bad guy <laughs> because he is a bag man. But these right. guys are above the board because they're doing it the right way, and they get bristly when you assume, that's all I'm saying, you know, it's a little bit of a curtain being pulled here. But we, we, this is what we talked about a few months ago. Sooner or later, Jimbo can be comfortable saying we create these opportunities. Yeah. We, we have this collective that does really well. And Jimbo, th- one of the differences between if you watch Jimbo's presser compared to Saban's press, press conference, Saban had control over the collective and the way that the money was distributed, <laughs> or at least that's what he says. And he says that he was evenly distributed. Again, these are his words. Jimbo's like, I, I don't know what goes into that. Hold on, let me pause I'm you right there. Let me pause you right there. I'm gonna circle right back to that because I have that circled. So I talked earlier about these guys being so similar. For a while, we knew that this was coming as far as these are two good old boys that have been in this industry forever. And there was going to be a pushback. There always is, but it takes a while between these older school guys that truly believe they're selling you on the program, the culture, the facilities, the college towns of of College Station and Tuscaloosa. And the reality, which is this new money of, hey, a lot of guys care about money. That's always how it's been. I care about money. You care about money. As humans, we all care about money. But that was such a... Uh, a taboo thing. And and I think that this is truly where the frustrations are starting to bubble over because these guys are now seeing, no, this money is important, but they want to tell themselves that's still not yes. why guys are picking this. And you talked about the collective. There is no issue that they are farther apart than Saban. I mean, Saban could have wrote a book report on the on the collective based on that, that press conference he did. And Jimbo just said, hey, I don't know, collective, which is such 
malarkey, as, as some would say. That's the PC way to say that. Because if you're the one who's accused of giving out all this money and you're throwing your hands up saying, oh, shucks, I'm just old Jimbo. I'm just old Jimbo from West Virginia. I don't know where all these checks come from. Come on, bro. That's definitionally lack of institutional control. If you're, if you're, Collective is writing checks that you don't even know what they're doing and players are just showing up at your door You think that makes you look better than Saban because you just don't yeah. understand it in the court of public opinion though Jimbo's response will win him more points. Oh, yeah, than, than Saban's will Saban's response or I shouldn't say response Saban twice again twice in a one-week stretch Talking the way that he did about NIL and the future of the sport. Mm -hmm. I Know Alabama fans don't want to hear this Saban's coming off like Dabo right now. <laughs> he kind of is. He, he is. And it doesn't matter how right he is. It doesn't matter how right Jimbo is. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. Because, it, and this is, this is the point that I brought up in the column, it's not like they're going to some court and they're going to have somebody declare a winner. This is all going to be decided on the field. Well, until Jimbo's dumb self said, you can bring the feds in here and investigate me, which, you know, anyone who's ever done a type of illicit activity, that's not what you want to say. You don't yeah. want to say, you can come look at every guy we have. Uh, even like any area of college football, we don't want that big dog. Don't be saying stuff like that. Yeah, look, I, I think that's that's how confident these big time programs are that the NCAA isn't going to do anything. That, that's also part of it. Is, is you can come across overconfident because who, who are you responding to? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot to dissect. One last thing. Oh, and then the maybe somebody should have slapped Saban. Because Jimbo's like, I'm not a liar. Um, you know, my daddy slapped me in the face when I Oh, when that's another part like, of this. We talk about the cool. socioeconomic background of I built a good, clean program. My daddy taught me better than this. Program. In terms of Southern dad insults, my daddy raised me better than that is like yeah. apex. Once you get to talking about your mama, your daddy, where you're from, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Jimbo didn't hold anything back. And, uh, I, we're going to be talking about this for a long time. It's going to be just unbelievable theater at SEC Media Days. They're not going to be on the same day, unfortunately, Jimbo and Saban. But some, we, this this subject is not going to be in the call, bro. So we've got SEC Media. Put in the call. Make something shake. Right. Oh, we got, we got really quick. How have we not brought up the sliced bread reference? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this Somebody asked, said, like, we talked yesterday off air about how people ask questions. How about that question? Because Jimbo immediately got the joke and repeated it back to him. That was great theater. Yeah. He was like, "So you say, you know, you don't know who this, where this is coming from? You know, sliced bread or whatever." And he asked, "You know, where do you think it's coming from?" He said, "Well, maybe you should ask sliced bread." <laughs> yeah, it's all the same thing. That that hasn't changed. Yep. That that entire that entire you know notion of of the the message board that was later aggregated on Bro Bible, all the different things that we've talked about with Kiffin. One last thing, one mm -hmm. last question. Do you interpret all of this and say Saban is getting closer to retirement? I think the way that this is set up now, if he doesn't want to operate in the way, if, again, I, I don't wanna assume anything. If Saban says and insists he does not want to operate in the way that Jimbo Fisher, he believes Jimbo Fisher did to get the number one recruiting class in the country in his stranglehold atop these recruiting rankings. If that starts to loosen up a little bit because more and more programs are following what Saban says is the A&M model, does it feel like we could see a situation in which Alabama, who, oh, by the way, in case you forgot, could be the unanimous number one 
in the preseason AP Top 25, mm -hmm. is there a scenario in which Saban looks around at all these different elements in college football and says, you know what? Wrong side of 70. I don't need anything anymore. I'm, I'm done. I'm good. Right off into the sunset. Gasparilla Island is calling his name. And he calls it a career after this and just says, nope, I just don't want to be part of this. Did, does this make you lean any closer in that direction? Because I'll, I'll say for me, a small piece of me. I'd still bet on him to come back because, again, Saban's going to coach till the robots get here. But <laughs> Darth Saban. <laughs> there's at least that small part. Would you agree with that? Um, yes, 100%. And I will say this. I kind of realized this as, as you were talking. You know, the kids that are being recruited now were born in like 2006, 2007. That'll make you feel old. I have been praying for Saban to retire since these kids were born. So it's... <laughs> So it's pretty hard at this point for me to kind of think like, this is the one, this is the time. I've just assumed, like I said, Saban will be here until my kids root against him. And anything short of that, I think will be positive as an LSU fan. But that being said, a good allegory to that, I think it's a little bit different, obviously, is Coach K. You know, Coach K had the system, right? It was, we don't do one and dones, we don't do that. And then he started realizing, oh, like all these other schools were doing one and dones. We, we got to bring these guys in. He finally won the title that way. And then he kind of went like, this is getting crazy. This is openly a market. Like he's a little bit older too and been coaching for longer, but he was like, I'm out, I'm good, like whatever. And so I, I, I can see the allegory there for sure. I just think that Saban is so much higher up than Coach K is at this time. It would take a down year or two, I think, for him to really start, you know, pining for that place. Because once you leave at Saban's age, you don't come back, you know, unless you do like a spurt. Now that's different. He was all over the place. Yeah, you don't come back. It would, it would feel. It, I think it would take Saban sending these warning shots mm -hmm. to the decision makers in college football, college football commissioners, presidents, all these different things. Uh, Power Five commissioners, I should say, not college football commissioners. Power but Four it would in the, take in the Pac-12. Exactly. Yeah. It would take all these things happening and then nothing being done to change the enforcement level and Saban feeling this level of frustration. Some would take that as, I'm taking my ball and going home. Saban would say, ultimately, my time, my time to step down has come. That's the way that it would be interpreted. But we've got a long way to go to get to that. Hopefully this satisfied the itch <laughs> that everybody was probably having. Just jonesing for some Jimbo and saving co content after just what turned out to be a bananas 13-hour stretch mm -hmm. in this landscape. Hey, if it's you want more context, you go ask Slice Bread, right? Go ask Slice Bread. Slice Bread's got the scoop. <laughs> no, it doesn't work. But I'll tell you what. My daddy raised me to record emergency podcasts whenever I need to. Yes. All right. <laughs> yes. yes. This was a worthy emergency podcast. Uh, SaturdayDownSouth.com, we're going to have a ton of other great, great stuff related to this. All the different angles that are going to come about. We're going to be talking about this a lot. We're going to be talking about this probably with the early week pod as well. I know we talked about doing playoff predictions. Maybe we'll put that on hold. I hope Maybe they just play won't. chicken and like set up a fight like Herschel has done and stuff in the past. They just keep going. I'm not backing down. I'm not backing down until they're yeah. standing like nose to nose. They just keep getting closer and closer. That would be great. Uh, as somebody who benefits off an internet company, <laughs> I would not hate that scenario playing out. So, yeah. Um, but if you have not, give us a five-star review. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to all of our great content that we have on Saturday Down South. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon.